0: Hey friends, you're listening here to the Imaginary Advice podcast. My name is Ross Sutherland. This time on the podcast, it is part two of my exclusive interview with props master Graham Owens back in 1978. Graham worked at Elstree Studios on Stanley Kubrick's The Shining and was the real-life individual who typed out Jack Nicholson's manuscript in the film, aka, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Now, most episodes of Imaginary Advice are self-contained and can be listened to in any order, but for this episode in particular, you really need to listen to the previous episode, before listening to this one. Also, uh, a slight correction. On the last episode, I said that this was a two-part series. However, um, my second conversation with Graham ended up uh, a lot longer than I anticipated. Uh, Yeah, once he got me back on the line, he really didn't want to let me go again. So I've decided to split the series a second time so that means that there is now a final third part uh part three of two you could say which will be coming out not too long after this one so that's part one all work and no play parts two this part makes jack a doll and then coming soon part three boy there we go that that works doesn't it And, and uh, yeah, that, that will be the, the the final part, I promise. Anyway, uh, without further ado. Yeah? Graham? Yeah? Can you hear me okay? Oh, I can hear you fine, hang on. <coughs> I'm just getting out of bed, hang on. Oh, I'm so sorry, I, I thought you said midnight. No, it's all right. We can reschedule that we we can we could have done this i I wanted us to talk at midnight okay i just i just feel is sleeping's very easy for me it's, it's very easy <laughs> okay, as soon as we're done here, like I'll be able to go straight back to sleep again' it's just not a problem for me at all well <laughs> uh I'm jealous yeah yeah you um you get insomnia right yeah yeah I, I mean I would be up at this time anyway. Probably, but uh, you know we, we we didn't have to do this this late. I think you know for what we're going to do tonight. Actually, it's um, it's better if you're tired. Okay, better if you're tired. Yeah, basically anything that we can do to like get your head into like the same kind of position that my head was in that night. You know, it's sort of a reconstruction. Cool. Okay. I well, I've got my uh, I've got my typewriter set up. Great as well. Okay, hang on. Let me just quickly put some trousers on. <laughs> okay. So, um, what part of the country are you in these days, Graham? Uh, I'm in Kent. Kent. Okay. Uh, I'm in Peterborough. Oh yeah. I'm in a Peterborough. I um, I went there to um, get my passport, passport renewed. renewed. Oh yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, no, I think that I, I was one time I, yeah, I, I, I had to get fast-tracked. fast-tracked. Yeah, the passport office is pretty much the only reason most people come to Peterborough. Yeah, well, not anymore, we don't. No, uh, no, not right now, I suppose. Um, <laughs> nobody's taking any uh, holidays anytime soon. Well, you know, at least uh, I, I hope they're not. Uh, how's your lockdown been? Yeah, fine. Got my trousers on now. So, uh, yeah, you sat at the typewriter. Yeah, yeah no, I got my typewriter. It's all set up here. Uh, cool. Well, uh, I'm ready to go and you are, basically. Is it all right if um, I just try to recap the story so far? Uh, Yeah, uh, of course. Okay, so, previous night, you, you had a big fight with your mum, who was also ill at the time. Yeah. And now, uh, a short notice, Kubrick has pressured you into working through the night at all Street Studios, and uh, you're worried that your mum might not know where you are. You're worried that she might still be upset, and and you feel you, you feel guilty about that. Okay, listen. To me. If any of this recap is, you know, I I I, I don't want to misrepresent. It's, it's impossible to offend me, mate. I just I'm just not that type of person. All right, like you're fine. Okay, All right. So uh, you're typing away um, around midnight you investigate a noise, which leads you inside one of the sound stages. Suddenly, you find yourself inside the set of uh, the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Whereupon, you find this uh, huge bloodstain on the floor. Um, I assume part of the set dressing. And the shock of finding this strange room Combined with the exhaustion and the work stress and anxiety about your mum, like all all this pressure combined, you reach a kind of like breaking point. Right, my head it was just just chaos. Right, I just had so many upsetting thoughts in my head, and I didn't know, uh, you know, which of my problems were real, which ones were me being paranoid. It It was just like being pulled in all these different directions at once. Yeah, but then you have a kind of fantastical thought that calms you down right you force yourself to believe in a kind of alternate reality in which stanley kubrick has somehow personally engineered every single thing that has happened to you over the course of that evening yeah you feel differently about pain if if, if you think it's been authored don't you right that's the difference between uh life and horror movies, innit? Like, you enjoy being scared in a horror movie. Mm. So yeah, right, imagining my awful night at an author behind it all. Yeah, that, that let me stop worrying. Just let me um, enjoy the ride, I suppose. Yeah, got it. Once I calmed down a bit, I went and got my typewriter and uh, set it up right in the middle of that blood stain and uh, got back to work, basically. Okay, so you went back to typing. Yeah, and that's that's when it happened that's when you realized what this manuscript you were writing was really all about was really about that's right this manuscript which uh to be clear my book yeah your book which uh to be clear though solely contain the sentence all work and no play makes jack a dull boy yeah yeah all right so suddenly you realized some deeper meaning to that sentence, right? Some 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 kind of deeper story beneath the surface. Yeah. Yeah, that was um that was an excellent summary, Ross. Thank you. Yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, I I took notes last time. So you finished stalling now. Yeah, yeah, of course. Let's um Let's crack on shall we? Let's crack on. Yeah. All right. What I'm going to show you now is um, what I discovered inside that book. Okay. Now there's a process to this and you're going to have to trust me a little bit. All right. I have done this a couple of times before for journalists and it does work, but you just have to trust me. Okay. Graham, can you remember who it was that you spoke to? previously because um like i haven't seen any articles about you and you know and i i I, I did look Uh, yeah like a lady from rolling stone like like sometime in the like mid 90s all right yeah and uh like some Burke from the guardian like maybe 10 years ago Like that's it really all right all right so yeah there's a there's a process okay and as long as you keep an open mind and follow my instructions everything will work As it's supposed to, okay. Um, Yeah, Uh, as you might have guessed, uh, I'm gonna ask you to type some words. Right. But uh, before you do any typing, just take some deep breaths, okay? Try and clear your mind. So when you're ready, I want you to place your hands gently over the keys of the typewriter. Now, you probably already guessed the sentence you're going to be typing. Yeah, I guessed. It's ten words long. Yeah, you guessed. Well, as you hit each letter, I want you to sound it out, okay? Okay. Because I need you to get used to this, this feeling of speaking to the rhythm of the keys, okay? All right, when you're ready. Hey, oh, oh. W O R K A and Carriage return I'll do it again A L L W O R K, A N D, N O. Pick up the speed of it. P L A Y, M A K E S, J A C K, A, D U L L, B O Y. Character tone. Okay, so I want you to keep going like that. Then, once you feel comfortable with the location of the keys, I want you to close your eyes. And keep typing, okay? Okay. A-L-L-W-O-R-K-A-N-D-N-O-P-L-A-Y-M-A-K-E-S-J-A-C-K-A-D-U-L-L-B-O-Y. So are your eyes closed now? Yeah. Okay, keep typing. From now on, you don't have to save a letter out loud. I want you to keep making a noise though but I don't want you to save a letter. Okay. Just make a noise, all right? Okay. All right, when you're ready. Um... Yo, yo, yo. Yo, 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 yo. Okay, so now that your eyes are closed... Yo, yo, yo. ...this word you're typing... Yo, yo. ...it's invisible to you now, okay? This is hard. Sorry, just keep going. Yo, 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 yo. These words, all right, they're now fading away into the background. Yo, 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 yo. Just like the scenery of a film, yeah? Yo, 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 yo you're not supposed to notice. Yo. Whatever it's doing to you from now on. Yo, 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 yo. It's doing it you without your knowledge. Yo, yo, yo. All right, again. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, 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 yo. Yo, yo, yo. So at this point, yo, Ross, yo. like, you're not thinking about yeah, 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 yeah. which letters your fingers yeah, 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 yeah. are touching, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah, yeah. you're not even noticing that yeah, yeah, yeah. your hands are moving at all. I mean, they are moving yeah. all right, but you're not yeah, thinking yeah. about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as you're concerned, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not important. Yeah, 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 yeah. But right now, they're just yeah, yeah. Yeah. doing what hands do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As soon right? these hands are yours, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're also yeah, yeah, yeah. going to yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. start yeah, yeah. to turn invisible. Yeah, yeah. feel them fading away until soon there's nothing there anymore your words invisible your body invisible now all that is left is this sound but you're not even thinking of it as the sound of a typewriter any longer you've been listening to this sound for so long it's it's just become part of you part of everything, this is just what the universe sounds like now, it's the sound of the inside of your head, it's the sound of your own idling thoughts, these thoughts are yours, they're already passing through your lips, you can feel them, they're uh, they're already being released into the air, it's just that you can't quite make sense of them yet, you know, it's uh, It's like hearing your own voice but on the other side of a wall, it's as if the real you is talking in the room next door and you're just listening in. You're just like a little nosy neighbour straining to hear what's going on on the other side of this wall. But now you're starting to approach that wall you're approaching that wall and when you're ready you're going to walk through it you're going to walk through the wall separating the two versions of you you're going to walk through that wall Ross and you're going to meet yourself and these muffled words you're hearing you're finally going to be able to understand them they're going to start to make sense to you you're gonna hear your own voice for the first time. So, whenever you're ready, start walking through the wall. I am yo, waiting for yo, polio, Yolo, Madagascar. I don't like monkeys. Concentrate. This is hard. Alright, just keep going. (sighs) A curtain rail. Ass. Piss, piss, piss. Piss, piss, piss. I'm sorry. It's alright. It's alright, Luke. I'm really tired. That's okay. That's part of it. No one gets it first time. (sighs) That was like a really shit beat poem, wasn't it? Doesn't matter. (sighs) You're tense, aren't you? I I can tell you're tense. Yeah. Yeah. You're worried about letting go, right? You don't want to let your your real self loose, do you? You want to keep your guard up. I understand. I'm just like, I'm just not one of God's natural freestylers. Listen, right? When you do let go, I, I promise you, I promise you, there is going to be something that'll catch you, okay? Okay. Do you believe me? Yeah, I'm ready. You have to trust me, all right? This is for your own good. Okay, breathe in. Breathe out. Close your eyes. When you're ready, walk through the wall. Hello, Mum. As I sit here inside this red room, I am so tired. I'm starting to doubt I even know whose fingers these are anymore decisions still feel my own, but could it be that every move I make is somehow preauthorized, my environment engineered, to only ever allow one response? Do I only see what the director wants? Did he lead me here? I can almost feel the crew. Okay, and I'm going to stop now. No, no come on. I, I'm not doing it right, am I? But you only did like three lights. <clears throat> I think because because I was trying to get into the same kind of creative flow state that you were in on that night. I don't know. I think my brain just ended up taking the whole thing a little too literally, and uh, that's why I accidentally started like you know improvising from your perspective okay okay hang on hold your horses you tell me what you think just happened uh well you know i suppose like like since our last phone call i've uh i've just been thinking a lot about what you what you what you went through that night and i've been trying to understand your, your your coping strategy and uh I guess that just now, like, even though I was trying to empty my mind and you know, channel my own subconscious thoughts, I guess, like, you know, just a lot of my thoughts were about you. Huh. So, you know, that's why I accidentally started talking from your perspective. Okay. Um, it hasn't clicked yet, has it? <laughs> what, what hasn't clicked? I told you that if you let go, there would be something to catch you right all right i told you but i was going to show you what my book was really about yeah yeah and i I get it i do i i don't know if you do no no i uh so basically um what you discovered that night graham is a technique that our artists in my line of work would call guided automatic writing Basically guided automatic writing is a is a process that allows a writer to um to, to write without thinking and to like essentially like to channel their subconscious. I know what automatic writing is. Yeah, yeah, no of course, of course you do. But um <laughs> as you know, it's a it's a very instinctive, uh quite a hypnotic process. And um yeah, I can see how using a process like this could help you stay at the typewriter, how it could help, you know, get through all those pages and uh Right get through the night and uh yeah now, now also of course it makes complete sense to me now what uh what you said to me last time about uh how you discovered that night what the book was really about right because what you what you meant by that was that uh you discovered that the book was really all about you right you know because you channeled like your own thoughts into the rhythm of the keystrokes so the book it became all about you. It became your book. Ross. And and I think that's cool. Yeah. Stop talking. Okay. I didn't ask you to get your typewriter out just so we could have a conversation about the merits of automatic writing. Uh, Okay. I mean, you're right about what you said about the technique. Yeah, I mean, I did come up with the process as, you could call it a coping strategy, something to help me stay calm and get me through the night. I, I, I basically told myself that uh, those 10 words had been specifically chosen, specifically tailored to help me tune in my subconscious. And as long as I believed in that idea, yeah, I could give in to the job at hand. And yeah, as soon as I gave up control, the words just started to flow through me. I, I started channeling this uh, this inner voice from, I don't know, some from somewhere deep inside of me. It all just started to come out of me, you know coming through the typewriter. by the time I was finished, even though there was no like physical record of the words I'd said, it still felt like uh, like I created a whole book, you know right. you transformed the manuscript into a book all about you it's all about me, yeah. Okay, well, I don't know why you snapped at me before, Graham, because we're literally saying the same thing. Like, that's just, that's how automatic no, writing we're works. we're not saying the same thing. The manuscript that you typed that night was transformed into a collection of your deepest subconscious thoughts. It became a book all about you. Yeah, and do you know how that book began? There's, well, there's no way I'd be able to guess because that's your mind, that's your thoughts. Guess how it began. But there's no, you. Yeah. No, I guess, guess how it began. It began... <coughs> Hello, Mum. As I sit here inside this red room, I am so tired, I'm starting to doubt I even know whose fingers these are anymore. Those were the first words out of my mouth that night in 1978. Graham, what do you think about that? Obviously, that's not... That was my attempt at the technique. I literally said those words five minutes ago, right? Those were my words. And when I used that technique, I said the exact same thing that you said. Come on. Or rather, you said the same thing as me, because I said it first. I said it 43 years ago. Graham. I told you I was going to show you what my book was about, didn't I? You just quoted the first three lines. Those were my exact words that you... Were reading. I wasn't reading anything. I was improvising. You weren't improvising. You were channeling. I was... You were channeling, mate. I was improvising and you know I was. Well, why was your improvisation all about me? Well, the words were all about you because I was I was thinking about you. You know, you were on my mind. I'm sorry. Look, if I did the experiment again, the results would be totally different. Do it again then. Like, I can. Just do can. it page. on You want take long? Well. Hands back on the typewriter. Eyes oh, closed. Let's do it. Let's do it now. Okay, but look. look Graham, I, d- I don't want to upset you. You can't upset me. It's impossible All right, but you do understand that this writing technique of yours, it's a a bit like a Rorschach test, right? Like, anyone using it, whatever they improvise, like the book, as you say, that comes out of their mouth, that book will become all about them. It will be a, a kind of psychic text imprinted to that particular individual, and that's cool, but every single person, every single attempt will yield a different result. No, it won't. It definitely will, Graham. Not in this case, not in this case, not with these words. Anybody who attempts to type out these particular words using this technique, anyone who does that will find the exact same book that I left there. Because ever since that night in 1978, those 10 words, they are somehow how they're connected to me. I don't know how, I'm just telling you what I know. You can't type out those words without bringing back what I said that night. The other journalists that I showed this to, they found the same, same words, exactly the same as you. I've gone back to the typewriter myself several times over the years, right? Just to check, you know, just to make sure I haven't imagined the whole thing. I'm telling you, the book is always right there, right there, like hidden inside those keystrokes exactly where I left it. Not a single word out of place, Graham. Like this is you literally just... just did it yourself less than ten minutes ago. Everything you said at the typewriter was all about me. Yeah, it was about you, but it wasn't by what you. Where do you think those words came from? From my subconscious. Oh, you suck. Was oh, that exactly? You're an expert on the subconscious, so are you? So whose voice was that that just came out of your mouth? My voice, my my inner Listen, voice. There's a really simple way to solve this. Just type some more. No. Go on, let's yeah, let's hear some more of that inner voice of yours. No, 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 I'm not going to. Why not? Why? Because this is clearly a bit, Graham. It's not a bit. It is a bit. Why would I lie about this? I don't know. I don't know. But it's obvious that you're pranking me, Graham. Because what you're trying to make me believe here, right, you're trying to make me believe that that famous sentence from The Shining, right, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, you're trying to make me believe that that sentence is in itself somehow haunted. (laughs) Specifically, you're suggesting that uh, this famous sentence is being haunted by the traumatic experience that you went through one night in 1978 when you had to type out that line 10,000 times. Because just like in the story, The Shining, some terrible things happened in the process of typing out that sentence. And sometimes those bad things, sometimes they leave a trace behind, right? Isn't that essentially what you're trying to make me believe i don't know i mean it was a tough night for me but i mean the the, the book that came out of the whole process i mean it wasn't evil in fact personally like i would call it a self-help book i mean if it's a book about anything i think it's a book about survival okay whatever you're doing a slightly different angle on it but still what you're telling me here is essentially it's a riff on the shining right Because what we're talking about here, we're talking about trace memory, about people discovering an ability to tune into the past and channel long-gone traumatic experiences. It's The Shining! Haven't you heard of the phrase, life imitates art? Yes, thank you. I know the phrase, life imitates art. Do you know what? If you'd ever worked on a film set, we wouldn't even be having this conversation, because you would know, you would know that this phenomenon happens all the time. Like, films, they just, they conjure things into reality. Like, you can't dedicate such huge amounts of, like, money and time and effort and thought into creating fantasies without accidentally bringing some of that fantasy into the real world. Like, it happens all the time. Think about how many on-screen romances turn into real-life couples, yeah? Right, I worked on the film I Know What You Did Last Summer, right, with um, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr., on-screen couple, started dating in real life, still growing strong today. So strong, in fact, they came back together on screen to play Fred and Daphne in Scooby-Doo, renewed their vows on set. Did they? Yeah, yeah, probably. Point is, right, that there is real love manifest through the art of cinema. That is love brought through the lens from fantasy into reality. But, you know, it goes much further than that. There are so many films where, behind the scenes, the cast and crew end up going through a weird parallel version of the stories that they were making. Stories have a habit of echoing back on their artists. I mean, whenever you build a film set, right, it it does feel like like you're building a church, like you're creating this giant, receptor for all this fantasy energy and then you're you're, you're focusing it down you're, you're concentrating it packing it down into these little rooms and i don't know maybe there was something about the overlook hotel set that just created the conditions for something like this to happen and that's how i became the nice gentle real life version of the shining don't say it like that yeah the shining but the smaller, more human, more subtle version, right? Cause you know, I never hurt anyone. Like I never saw any ghosts. All I did really was improvise a book one night and then that book just somehow hung around afterwards. So that anyone who wants to read it just kind of already has it in their head. They can just type it out for themselves afterwards. I mean, essentially I just gave everyone a book for free, right? It's just a bit like when iTunes automatically gave everyone that YouTube album. <laughs> You know, Graham, sadly, I don't think that comparison's gonna put anybody's minds at rest. Come on, Just saying you know people are uncomfortable about that u thing. yeah okay, you're right, but that's the level of discomfort that we're talking about here, all right. I think people can handle it, you know if they're properly honest with themselves. I mean Christ, the book is just it's 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 there if anybody wants it, and I'm sure it's not for everyone, but I think it could help people, like I said. At heart, I think it's a self-help book. It might have been created with a little bit of creative energy from The Shining, but I I don't think people should judge it by that yardstick. Graham, it's been lovely talking to you. Okay. It's not the story I thought I was going to hear tonight, but um, it was fun nonetheless. Okay. Yeah, you, you still think I'm yanking your chain? Well, yeah, I do, but... First not to say that I didn't enjoy the story, but uh it's really fucking late and you know, I gotta get some sleep now. So. I mean without hearing any more of the book, you, the interview's pretty much a washout isn't it, but it's your call another day. I mean, it's a shame that you only did three lines and then completely freaked out. But yeah, whatever. I mean, I hope you can get to sleep if you if you can get to sleep. Just uh sweet dreams, hey. <sighs> Okay, all right, to end, I'll do it. You don't have to. No, 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 I'm going to do it. No, don't do it. I'm going to do sake. a fucking page. I'm going to do one full page. Listen, I honestly don't care either way. You know this isn't going to give you what you want, but I'll, I'll do like, it. At the end of the day, what happens, happens, right? You, you 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 do it or you don't. doesn't make any difference. Well, I'm doing it. Okay, so just let me calm down a second. All right, then. So, breathe in. Breathe out. Clear your head, yeah. I know. Hands on a typewriter. Close your eyes. Relax. And let the words flow through you. Don't try to control it. I know. Maybe you'll end up talking about an old flame. Or fond memories of long-ago holidays. Who knows, right? Right. No, wrong. You're not going to talk about any of that stuff. You're just going to channel my voice from 1978 again. Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> do what? He's trying to get in my head. I'm just telling you so you don't feel bad about it when it happens. You're going to start talking about my mum okay, again. Okay, 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 <clears> okay. <throat> Hello, mum. Fuck. So he told you. As I sit here, inside this red room, I am so tired, I'm starting to doubt. I even know whose fingers these are anymore. Decisions still feel my own, but could it be that every move I make is somehow pre-authorized? My environment engineered to only ever allow one response. Do I only see what the director wants? Did he lead me here? I can almost feel the crew in the walls, working silent, a hundred artists, controlling my movements through tiny alterations to the scenery, the lighting. I know this cannot be real, regardless. I have fortuitously given into it my world now his and in doing so I have let this freedom extend itself beyond this evening backwards into every part of me even into you our argument last evening when you said I didn't care if you lived or died. When you said you never wanted me. So quietly, I knew it was true. We were so exhausted. It had to be authentic. Just how Stanley likes it. The whole memory. So detailed and so factually accurate it must be manufactured and now our kitchen reveals itself to be a soundstage our words screenplay both playing a part, the entire production stretching backwards years and years to you age 21 giving birth to me. A hospital stage exquisitely constructed. The attention to details so ludicrous you would never believe somebody made this. Someone designed this. There's just so much equipment. Set design. Costumed extras period research, and yet the eye doesn't linger on any of it. Why? Why would Stanley construct this hospital, this whole monstrous universe, when so much of it stays stuck in the background, unseen, unloved, I think I know why. Reality needs to feel vast enough so we can be deceived into thinking that we're capable of anything. So during our fight, I could have pulled open any drawer and every object, inside would have had a memory attached to it each and every item a good reason to stop our fight to stop and hold you i say i could it's the potential in the world that grounds us and makes us convincing makes us real and yet it's a potential we can never fulfill there is only one path I can walk one script to follow I see now the future holds nothing but Intricate stages Filled with endless possibilities I cannot take I can feel my heart fall away In blessed absolution To discover there was only ever One story to tell What do you think about it now, eh? Do you, um... (sighs) Still think those were your words? I was, um... I was trying very hard not to do that. And, yeah, what happened exactly? I'm not going to pretend I understand it. But, uh... Sure, okay. Maybe that sentence is, uh... Maybe it is haunted in some way. Why don't you do another page? Uh, No, I don't don't think so. (laughs) I mean, so far, you've pretty much covered the prologue, but things are just getting started, really. My my head is absolutely killing me. Yeah, it's kind of to be expected. Do you want me to tell you what happens next? I think I just need a minute. It's okay, I'll just do the quick version. So you remember in the prologue just now, I, uh, I spoke briefly about the hospital where I was born. Well, basically, the book just kind of goes on from there. Like, chronologically, I mean. It basically turns into a, uh, a memoir, really. <laughs> I basically just start retelling the entire story of my life. But this time, through the lens of that, uh, that same fantastical thought that was helping me get through for typing, you know, so rather than just imagining Stanley Kubrick was responsible for everything that had happened to me that night in the book, I start imagining Stanley was responsible for everything that had happened to me in my entire life. So the first chapter, it um, revolves around one of my earliest memories, uh, watching my dad fall off a roof when I'm six years old. Now I'm forcing myself to reimagine the memory as this this big budget movie production. So I'm there watching the ladder slide out from underneath him but like this time there's no there's the pain attached to the memory because cause this time it's all stunt work, right? Every object, every sound, like it's all been planned by this huge team of unseen artists and as I'm going through this reconstruction, like I suddenly realised, like, all the, the sort of uh, all the guilt that uh, that, I, that I used to feel about that day, you know, uh, as a kid, for all that blame I've been carrying for not intervening or warning him, all—all you know, all, all that stuff—it's just, um, just not there anymore. Because suddenly, like, I'm in this version of the world where there was no possibility of things. Shaken out differently. The scene could only ever play out one way. Anyway, next chapter. I'm moving on my school days, getting into trouble when I was a kid, because I was a uh, was a bit of a thug. You know, I, uh, I broke this kid's arm when I was 14. But in this uh, in this new telling of my life, I um I don't have to feel bad about that anymore because <laughs> I was just following the script. You see, so. Really, it was out of my hands. Okay. Anyway, right now I am at the typewriter, yammering away at myself. I've got to say, like, it felt incredible. You know, it's just like this fire being put out inside. I'm looking back over my entire life today, and yet it's it's like I'm seeing it all for the first time. It's like the whole thing has been restored. You know, it's, it's in this this glossy new print. With all the the second guessing, all the suffering, all that stuff's washed away. No missed opportunities, no wrong turns. It was like my whole life was being cast in gold. Something that isn't clear to me, Graham. Um, just now when I was um channeling, uh, when I was channeling, channeling, uh, your voice yeah. just now, like channeling the book, um. Can kind I of felt like maybe you really did believe you were living inside a Stanley Kubrick film. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that Stanley's pranks on set, the way that he messed with me, taking my radios, the phone call to my mum, I think it's clear that he provided me with the initial inspiration. And then when I started typing out the book, I think my mind just took that idea and ran with it. So at the time, I don't know, I just remember feeling good. You know, the concept made me feel good. And I didn't analyse it any more than that. Like, I couldn't analyse it any more than that. Like, the, the book was just coming out at me too fast. I was just hanging on. What about when you, you finished the book? Like, when you thought back over it afterwards? Did any part of you believe it? N- n- no. No, I, I don't think I ever actually believed that, you know, the world was, in fact, some kind of gargantuan... Stanley Kubrick film. No, I, you know, Stanley isn't watching me right now on a monitor somewhere going, more rain on the window, you know? Give him another hernia. Obviously, that's not happening. Okay, okay, good. I'm glad that we cleared that up. So, you know, you, you, you do regard it as a kind of... like a fantasy text. You put it this way. I wouldn't want your listeners to take the content of my book to literally... I mean, at the same time, what I said about it being a self-help book, right? There's stuff going on in this book that I, I think should be taken seriously. You know, There's stuff in here that I, I, I think can help people. Okay, well, like what exactly? Yeah, I'm getting to it. Okay, sorry. Anyway, I'm sat at that typewriter. And chapter by chapter, I work through all the major events in my life, all 18 years of my life to date, covering everything right up to the moment that I sat down in that chair. And, uh, altogether that probably came to about like 150 pages of typing. All 18 years, I mean, just a couple of hours. It's crazy. But, um, I knew that couldn't be the end because, because I had so many more pages still to type, you know, like Stanley needed three times that amount of pages. And, um, that's when things really started to get interesting. Cause, um, now that I'd gone through and, Redocumented everything that happened in my life, like up to that point. <laughs> I now found that uh, I was able to start describing things that uh, were going to happen in my future. You know, just like the chapters I'd written so far, like, I didn't really have to think about it. I just repeated whatever it was that sounded to me like the typewriter was saying. And uh, yeah, it's now it came. That's really interesting. <clears throat> uh I suppose because um because you've been indulging in this fantasy um about like your past being completely on rails, you know, i.e. every decision you made in your life was the only possible decision that could ever have been made, then um <clears throat> I suppose it wasn't that hard for you to uh take those rails and then extend them forward, right? To, where your life might go next, it's just like how we can pretty much always like stop a film in the middle and take a pretty good guess about how it's going to end. Yeah, but you know, I wasn't making any conscious decisions. I was—I didn't really feel like I was guessing. It was just happening to me. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Of course. So, um, what future did you give yourself? Uh, well, I mean, Mum's funeral—that was one of the first chapters. Right. Yeah. That that, that was something you were already worried about? Yeah, there was something deep inside me that already knew it was coming, I suppose. Right. You know, I uh, described the whole ceremony, what the flowers were going to smell like, who was going to come, when I was going to cry. Right. They were happier chapters too, though. Uh, I did a chapter on how I was going to meet the love of my life uh, on a job in Bolivia. I did a chapter about the two of us having a kid together called Buzzy. Buzzy? Yeah, Buzzy. Yeah, and it's an odd name, I know, but that's, that's what came out. I ended up coming up with quite a lot of stuff about Buzzy, about how they were going to really, in you know, trains and tractors, and yeah. how eventually they'd end up going to study engineering at university. Yeah, all right, that's, that's nice. Yeah. I also did a... Uh, a chapter about me and my wife filing for divorce. Okay. I said it was going to happen uh, two days before my 45th birthday. And uh, yeah, I wrote a chapter about alcohol, about me going in at AA specifically and um, getting clean. So, you know, it's a, it was a positive chapter. Everything really, you know, everything right up until the very end. I, I, I kind of worked through it all. I suppose it wasn't really the kind of life that most people dream of having. But actually, it was the fact that it seemed so middle of the road, I suppose you could say. I think that's the reason why I seemed so possible. Yeah, I think that's why I felt so real. So by the time I finished um, typing out the manuscript, it was just coming up on 10 in the morning. So actually, the uh, the crew came in and found me still on that set, asleep at the typewriter. And uh, it was a little embarrassing. But uh, at least I had the pages for Stanley, you know. And, uh, yeah, you know, he seemed happy with them. I mean, he didn't say anything, which uh, I've come to understand was uh, usually a good sign with Stanley. Uh, they let me go straight home after that, which I appreciated. Finally got back to my mum's house around like 11am. She saw me coming down the road actually. She saw me coming down the road and uh, met me at the door. And, yeah, the studio, and called her, uh, just like they said they would, and uh, they'd straightened it all out with them. Uh, they told my mum that, uh, yeah, I'd been working very hard, and that yeah, someone in the accounts department had got their wires crossed, and you know, they were very, very sorry for the mix-up. Very right, good. So, yeah, <laughs> I got to the door, and um, she hugged me, And I hugged her and, you know, we didn't need to apologise to each other. Because, um, because we knew, right, you know, inside we knew. Yeah, no, I I remember that moment. Uh, Incredibly well. Then, about 13 or so months later, she, uh, yeah, she died. Yeah, she was diagnosed the following January and, uh, yeah, things went downhill pretty quickly after that. I'm sorry, that must have been really hard for you. No, actually, it was, um, it was okay, actually. Yeah, because even though I was quite sudden, I was, um, I was ready for it. And, uh, really, I have the book, Thank for that. <laughs> In fact, the, um, the funeral itself, it, um, was pretty much exactly as uh, the book said it would be. Just like the the smell of the flowers and um who was gonna come to it. And uh, the exact moment I was gonna cry. The 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 exact moment? Yeah. Uh in the toilets, uh at the crematorium. The chapter in my book had it right pretty much exactly. You yeah, know, I said in the book that uh I was going to go into the far left stall, uh, take off my tie and then halfway through putting it back on again, I'd just lose it and that was just how it happened actually. I guess the weather and all, it was comforting really, yeah I was glad of it. It just sort of meant there was no surprises on the day, I just felt like I was properly prepped for it. The, the, uh, the wake was at our house afterwards. Um, my Uncle John sorted it out. I remember at one point, going back up to my bedroom for a little while. You know, I just needed some, um, some time to myself. And, uh, I sat on my bed and I thought about that night back in the old Overlook Hotel. I thought again about that future I'd come up with for myself. Up until that day, I I just, I thought of the whole thing as just, I don't know, like a comforting game i played with my own brain. You know, like those uh, fortune telling things that the girls in my school used to make out of paper. Do you know them? You know, you put the, you pull them in and out and lift up the flat. Yeah, Yeah, I I just thought of it as, as something like that really. I I thought I'd left that future behind. I thought I left it back in the Overlook Hotel. And yet, having been at the funeral, having smelled those flowers, hearing the exact platitudes from people, word perfect, everything exactly as I predicted it, exactly. I couldn't deny what was happening to me. See, that was the moment that I realised that the future I'd hallucinated for myself that night. It was all going to unfold exactly as I said it would. That that book of mine, it was all going to come true. And did it? Yeah. Okay, do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it all came true. Like every scene that I created for myself, my life, uh, love, like health, it all came true. I mean, it's not it's, it's the most exciting book in the world, but uh, it's a non-fiction book. I can tell you that much. Okay, so you're telling me that ever since you were 18, you've known your entire life story. You see, I don't think you would have believed me if I told you this, like, the first time we spoke. But, you know, after tonight, I, I've got a feeling you might be a little bit more receptive to it now. Um, uh, yeah, okay, fuck it. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> That's right, fuck it. So everything in your book came true, did it? Yeah, I mean, at least everything in the book has come true, like, so far. Right, right, yeah, right, so far. Cause... Time hasn't caught up with the end of the book yet, right? You know, because it's a memoir of my life, and I'm still kicking. <clears throat> if it's not too um personal, question, Graham, but um, what happens at the end of your book? Do you remember? Of course, I remember. All right. <clears throat> so, what's in the final chapter? <laughs> play tonight um, 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 um. so that is the end of this episode of Imaginary Advice. The final concluding part of my conversation with Graham Owens will be in the following episode, picking up just um, from where we left off here. In the final part of this mini-series, we'll hear about the, uh, the legacy of uh, these unusual experiences upon uh, Graham's life. And uh, with that, I feel both me and Graham, we uh, finally get to know who the other one really is. Anyway, that's all to follow. My name again is Ross Sutherland. Thanks for listening.